Hello. I want to welcome you to Renton Christian Center's Recorded Ministries. We hope you'll be encouraged listening to God's teachings. Our services are held Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We share an awesome worship experience here at Renton Christian Center. Be sure to visit our website at rccfoursquare.org. Here's our message. All right, the reason I'm going fast is because uh, we have a, a great opportunity today to um, kind of hear the word in a somewhat different fashion. And I want to kick it off by uh, reading a parable to you. You know, Jesus was trying to communicate the kingdom of God in the most powerful way that he could. And I find it fascinating that he didn't choose theological statements or mathematical equations or physics. He used stories, very, very simple stories. And one of the parables that he told uh, is one that we've all heard many, many times. But I want to just read it to you again and, uh, and get you ready for this, this next part. It's in Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 1, and this is the parable of the sower. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. And you've probably heard as well that the four kinds of soil describe conditions of the human heart. And uh, there are some of us who are quick to hear the good news about Christ, but because we don't absorb it deeply and apply it deeply, it doesn't stick. And when trials come, the heat kind of scorches the truth out. And, of course, down to the thorny soil, the good soil. And we're all encouraged to kind of check and monitor and work on the soil and the condition of our own hearts, right? But how often have you thought about investing in the soil of someone else's heart and asking yourself, how well am I tending to their soil? Am I producing good, deep, rich stuff or kind of shallow stuff? And with that, I'd like to introduce the RCC players and Dana Buck. everybody. Hey, this, uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun this morning, hopefully, and hopefully we're also uh, uh, going to be maybe a little bit uh, a little bit smarter about our walk with Jesus by the time we're done. So how many of you remember, I want to ignore this side of the room, how many of you remember, well, I'll ignore you, but yeah, I will ignore you. Um, how many of you guys remember old-time radio days, families gathering around, oh, you, Hank, you better raise your hand or you're, I'm going to get the usher. 
Um, yeah, old-time radio days, families gathered around the radio when certain programs would come on and it would be time. And the beautiful thing was, as they sat and listened together, everyone was quiet, maybe mom was knitting and, you know, who knows what dad was doing and the kids laying on the floor. But everything about that story happened in their minds. As the words began to unfold, the story unfolded in their imagination. And I think that's something that we've really kind of lost these days. So here's what I want to invite you to do. We're going to take you back to old time radio days this morning. Whatever you might have to do to fully enjoy that, whether that's um, closing your eyes or whatever you'd like to do, or just focus on the radio. That's why we put it up there um, on the wall. But uh, we're going to bring you the story of the really bad farmer. Ready, guys? All right. Once long ago, some great stories were told and repeated so often they never get old. Not merely tall tales, they are great metaphors and full of God's truth and life lessons galore. There's walking on water, the prodigal son, leaving the 99 sheep for the one, the servant who buries his cash in the soil, and the bridegroom who tarries, ten virgins with oil. The widow's lost penny, the pearl of great price, the Samaritan man who was caring and nice. The vine and the branches, adopting God's armor, and my personal favorite, the really bad farmer. Now, now I know what you're thinking, that's not in the Bible, and before you all cry plagiarism and libel, I admit I've just given the tale a new groove, but if Jesus were here, I'm sure he'd approve. <laughs> For this title, it captures a part of the story and teaches the truth in a new allegory. So savor this parable, for it's a charmer, as we offer to you the really bad farmer. There once was a man who purchased a farm, for he wanted to work with his back and his arms. No white-collar job, no career with a desk. He longed to be brawny, be Cornhusker-esque. To be a great farmer, a planter, a mulcher, never mind, he knew nothing about agriculture. I doubt he could tell a pitchfork from a plow, a ewe from a lamb, or a bull from a cow. He didn't know winnowing or crop rotation, seasonal planting or drip irrigation. He only knows farming is his destiny. When asked, he would say, How hard can it be? You take a small seed and you just cast it down. Then wait for the rain to come water the ground. And after some time, you return to the scene to harvest your carrots, your broccoli, your beans, artichokes, Brussels sprouts, onions, and beets. You clean them, you cook them, you serve them, you eat. <laughs> what could be easier, more of a winner, than just tossing a seed and then eating your dinner? So taking possession one fine sunny day, he got right to farming, no pause or delay. He purchased some seeds from the mercantile store. He bought a big bag that hung down to the floor. Filling the sack till he feared it would pop, he set out determined to plant his first crop. But where to deposit this first season's sowing? He wasn't quite sure as to where he was going. Then he had an idea, and with gusto he crowed, I'll plant on the walkway beside the main road. It's already cleared and so easy to get to. Come on, little seeds, that's the place where I'll set you. Now, that ground had been trampled by thousands of feet, thus achieving consistency like hardened concrete. 
So when the small seeds hit those high traffic flats, they bounce just like gymnasts and mad acrobats. But he never noticed, he only kept flinging, nor saw how excited the birds were all singing. <laughs> Till finally that bag, once as fat as a blimp, just hung round his shoulders, slack, empty, and limp. So proud of his first day of work as a farmer, he went in the house as the weather turned warmer. There were those who rejoiced at the work he had done as the seeds lay exposed in the hot summer sun. First a robin, a pigeon, a sparrow, a shrike, descended from the sky to eat all that they like. Then whippoorwills, mockingbirds, starling, and grouse soon joined in the feast while he naps in the house. Partridges, meadowlarks, blue jays all snack. Why, even a woodpecker got in on the act. Soon no seeds remained, not a husk or a thistle. That ground had been picked just as clean as a whistle. Awakening refreshed from his afternoon nap, the farmer in blue jeans and green John Deere cap exits the farmhouse to get in some hoeing and walks to the place of his earlier sowing. Imagine his shock when he looks at the ground and sees it's as clean as the tooth of a hound. He puzzled and pondered, considered, reflected, then resolved to be buoyant and not be dejected. Farmers must manage with setbacks and trials. So he set off at once for the old mercantile. Then bagging more seeds which he'd bought at the store, he returned to the walkway to scatter once more. In no time at all, he had emptied the load on the hard, sun-baked pathway right next to the road. Then nodding his head in an effort done right, he strode back to the house to turn in for the night. His leaving, like magic, like casting a spell, effectively sounded a bird dinner bell. <laughs> back they all came, all the robins and wrens, but this time they brought a whole flock of their friends. And before you could utter the words, goodness sake, they gobbled those seeds like a fat kid eats cake. <laughs> now, I wish I could say when the farmer discovered the compacted path was completely uncovered, that he'd learned a lesson, a farming technique, to keep what you're planting from gluttonous beaks. But that wasn't the case. No conclusions evolved. The only result was to firm his resolve. So back to the mercantile, back for more seeds, then back to the pathway to sow with all speed. Then back to the house and back into bed and back came the birds who all are well fed. <laughs> for a week this impotent routine didn't cease till the birds couldn't fly, they were far too obese. And finally, the farmer concluded with wrath that he couldn't produce a darn crop on this path. This patch of ground is too smooth for my needs. That's got to be why it won't hold any seeds. I'll look for a place much more bumpy and rough with nooks and with crannies that hold on to stuff. With that, he departed his seed bag in hand to scout out a likely new section of land. Didn't take long till he felt rather cocky and found a location uneven and rocky. Surmising his seeds would be safe and protected, he scattered them all on the ground he'd selected. And when his distributing came to a stop 
admiring his work, he cried, Let there be crop! <laughs> For two or three days, he was busy with chores, repaired all his fences, and hung his barn doors. Then finally, he felt it was time to be going, to check in to see if his seedlings were growing. Making his way to that rough plot of soil, he feels his excitement and pleasure uncoil, for there, amongst the rocks, is a rich patch of green, the most beautiful spectacle he's ever seen. Dancing a jig like a crazed leprechaun, he imagines the food he'll be soon feasting on. Butternut squash, ripe tomatoes and peas, asparagus, radishes covered in cheese, cauliflower, spinach, potatoes, zucchini, cucumbers, cabbage, eggplant, broccolini. He runs through the list till his brains like to burst. The sumptuous challenge is what he'll eat first. So, leaving his plants to continue their growing, he's thankful he chose this location for sowing. But what he didn't know and what he couldn't tell was the depth of the soil in this small stony dell. Not more than an inch beneath where all are sown, the ground is impassable, ungrassable stone. Each plant was restricted to small, shallow roots that couldn't quite anchor or nourish the shoots. So when later the sun and its full presence hit, it roasted those plants like a pig on a spit. <laughs> Imagine the farmer returning next day, believing his harvest would fill up the day. Instead, he stands staring and clutching his basket, depression so deep he can no way mask it. He's mourning his plants, desiccated and wilted, and feels like a lover stood up and hard jilted. With setback and failure again here reprising, his hand shades his eyes and he scans the horizon. And there in the distance, he spies an expanse that seems to be bursting with all kinds of plants. He quickly walks over and clearly can see this ground is alive with thorns, thistles, and weeds. Yet he's not discouraged. He's strangely inspired. A brand new idea for sowing is sired. If this soil can curry these briars and weeds, can cause them to prosper, can meet all their needs, then why can't my seedlings here also abide? I'll just do my sowing right here alongside. The farmer, renewed by his bulletproof plan, rushed back to the mercantile, order in hand. Once making his purchase, he heads out the door, but pause when he hears, Excuse me, senor. Adorning the porch on a chair in the shade, a man in sombrero drinks pink lemonade. What hair he still owns is scarce, scanty, and lean. His clothes and shoes are well-worn but quite clean. With a visage resembling an overcooked churro, he winks at the farmer and points to his burrow. My Pepe's been wondering the size of your fields. His ironic smile, not quite fully concealed. You bought enough seeds to plant North Carolina, <laughs> Canada, Spain, and three-quarters of China. <laughs> Are you planting in quicksand or just being thorough? I hope you don't mind inquiries from my burrow. The farmer was puzzled and paused by the quip. 
then remembered he'd walk by this man on each trip. Oh, I see. You've watched me buy sack after sack. Then I sow all the seeds, and I need to come back. The soil in my place isn't terribly good, making farming much harder than I thought it would. I've cast all these seeds, and yet nothing has taken. My diet's been shortened to biscuits and bacon. If I get no produce out of this bag, I may just surrender, run up the white flag. I see, said the man in the Mexican hat. My burrow's a question for you about that. When you plowed your fields, think back, reminisce. Did you use a ridge plow, a moldboard, or disc? And what fertilizer did you choose to spread, sodium nitrate or sulfates instead? Did you go organic, something natural and pure, like compost or guano, bone meal or manure? Did you spray nitrosol or do you find it spurious? I only inquire for my burrow is curious. <laughs> the farmer just stood there, seed bag in his arms. What have chemistry questions to do with my farm? My methods are simple, not much to critique. I don't spend much time on my form or technique. Please tell your burrow I'm happy to show him. I just take a handful of seeds and I throw them. The man in the Mexican hat bowed his head, considering all that the farmer had said. He then took a sip of his pink lemonade. We don't mean to criticize you or your trade. It just seems to us for the sea leaves your hand. You might have done something to prepare the land. For throwing the seed, that's the easiest piece. While the hard work's accomplished before the release. The farmer, he nodded. I know what you mean. I've learned from my earlier sowing routine. This time, the various seeds that I throw will land in an acre where everything grows. I think cultivation is now well in hand, and I'll be successful with this plot of land. I hope so, senor. The well-shaded man said, and pulled his sombrero from off of his head. It's been my experience over my many years that land worked with love and with sweat and with tears, produces a harvest beyond expectation, but cutting the corners brings only privation. When sowing in places where everything grows, where nothing's excluded, where anything goes, I fear you may realize and you may find your harvest will not be what you have in mind. Then back on his head, his sombrero he tucked. But my burrow and I, we both wish you good luck. The farmer was puzzled by what the man said, and frankly, the bulk of it went over his head. But smiling a thank you, he then took his leave to put into action the plan he'd conceived. Arriving at last near the briars and weeds, the farmer commences to sowing his seeds. He's careful to border that great thorny hedge and only deposit his load on the edge. And soon the ground sparkles in seeds it is frosted, both leaving the farmer content and exhausted. So back to the farmhouse for well-deserved rest. He trusts in his plan and hopes for the best. For the next several days, the skies darken with rain. The farmer must wait for the moisture to rain. He welcomes the timing of this summer storm, for when it all passes and returns to warm, he knows that his seeds will have all germinated and he'll enjoy the harvest for which he has waited. 
Then one sunny morning, the skies are all clear. The day that he's waited for finally is here. He gathers his baskets, his gloves, and his tools. He doesn't need a tractor or plow blades or mules. Sensing his great vindication has come, he heads for his field at a slow, steady run. His excitement increases as he nears the scene. That nice patch of ground looks so verdant and green. With dreams of great vegetables, barley, and flax, he suddenly dumbstruck and stopped in his tracks. For every last plant, the results of his seeds are wrapped in the tendrils of vile, choking weeds. Thistles and thorns also cover the ground, especially where new little seedlings are found. They cling to the shoots just like strangling zippers, botanical hoodlums like plant Jack the Rippers. He stands in impotence and sees that his slaving is tangled and twisted and all beyond saving. He drops all his tools in a pile at his feet and sits in the dust filled with abject defeat. Perhaps I should go be a banker or clerk. I have certainly nothing to show for farm work. And as his sad outlook continues to blue, he suddenly hears a sound tinkling and new. Turning his head, the sound source is revealed. It's the man in sombrero who's crossing his field. With burrow in tow, a bright ring carries back from a small silver bell in the animal's pack. The farmer stands up with his pride at its sparest. He's mortified, flustered, chagrined, and embarrassed. Feeling forlorn in no mood for a chat when he's hailed by the man in the Mexican hat. Hola, senor. We were just passing by. When your reclining form in the dirt caught our eye, Pepe picked up the pace. Yes, he hurried. My burro, you see, he's concerned and quite worried. He looked past the farmer and gazed at the field, agricultural failure now fully revealed. Ah, seems that your effort to sow on this land didn't quite culminate in the way you had planned. A keen understatement. The farmer retorted. His mood was quite dark and his spirits contorted. I guess this is it. I've got no more endurance. I can always bag groceries or go sell insurance. <laughs> Nonsense, my friend. Said the man in sombrero. Your strategy is just too simple, too narrow. As I said in our talk earlier at the store, Preparing the soil, that's your secret, senor. Pepe and I, we can help you rewind and show you a thing or two, if you don't mind. With his hands in his pockets and dirt in his shoes, the farmer says, Well, what have I got to lose? The sombreroed man with a pat on the back walked over to Pepe and dug in his pack. He rummaged around and then proudly displayed a sharpened and gleaming, well-honed metal blade. And taking three poles and some stout leather thong, he fashioned a plow, quick as you'd sing a song. Then, hitching to Pepe and taking the reins, he turns to the farmer and gently explains. I carry this plow as a gift from my father. Some see it as burden, a folly, or bother. But I keep it handy and ready to wield for whenever I come upon promising fields where soil is not trampled or rocky or shallow, or covered in thorns sitting useless and fallow. 
But when the ground's ready, as this ground is now, with my hands and my back and my shoulders, I plow. He smiled at the farmer and quick snapped the reins, beginning the first of a series of lanes. Soon he had plowed several arrow straight furrows, all the while singing sweetly aloud to his burrow. The sound of his voice made the farmer's mood vanish. He would have joined in, but the words were in Spanish. <laughs> when the man in sombrero plowed ten or twelve lines, the farmer inquired, Is it seed casting time? Not yet, said the man in the Mexican hat. There's one thing to do before we get to that. For plowing the rows is the farm appetizer. Before the main dish, we must mix fertilizer. He walked to his burrow and opened the pack, removing within several small burlap sacks. Cached on the ground, each one expertly tied, the farmer can see words embossed on the sides. The man in sombrero, now holding a pail, is mixing the load without sequence or scale. A little from this bag, a little from that. We put it together in this little vat. My father, he taught me this thing long ago. When added to soil, it makes anything grow. So, taking the bucket with mixture endowed, he sprinkles the stuff in each line that he plowed. While the man in sombrero is busy with that, the farmer examines more closely the sacks and sees that the word on each bag is unique. He tries to decipher this printed mystique. The first bag reads kindness. The second reads joy. Goodness and peace are bag three and bag four. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control with love and with patience, completing the whole. He ponders the meaning, but cognizance flags. Why are these words inscribed here on these bags? And as he is puzzling this baffling quirk, the man in sombrero returns from his work. It is finished, senor. The plowed field is prepared. My bucket is empty, not a smidgen was spared. So if you are able and ready to go, the ground is now prime to receive what you sow. The farmer, perceiving a shift in his plan, addresses himself to the sombreroed man. I want to get working, but before I do, I have an inquiry and question for you. I couldn't help noticing there on each sack the words for their context I just can't unpack. Is what's found inside rare or magically fabled? Why else would these bags be so curiously labeled? The man in the Mexican hat gave a laugh. <laughs> Mi amigo Pablo wrote those words on my behalf. They always inspire and they always remind to love and invest in the ground that you find. If you want to harvest a bountiful yield, you got to start working those things in your field. For sowing with peoples like land that is seeded, pay attention and look to provide what is needed. And if you are faithful and if you believe it, the land that you sow will most likely receive it. The farmer, he had a distinctive sensation. These words addressed more than crop rotation. I want to embrace the way you do your chores and fill up my own bags like you have filled yours. Raising his sombrero and mopping his brow, the man said, You will. You already know how. My father... He knows when a planter is mine, 
and provides what you are looking for, all in good time. The man in sombrero collected his sacks and one by one placed them inside Pepe's pack. And when he had finished repacking and stowing, he said to the farmer, Well, I better be going. Other farms, other farmers, my path, who can tell? But amigo, my burrow and I wish you well. With that, they departed and walked across the clearing as the small silver bell gently faded from hearing. Well, needless to say, our fine farmer's elated, and soon all his land is sown and cultivated. He reaps a fine harvest from all of his labors, and even has food he can share with his neighbors. He's learned a great lesson that we all should heed. It isn't how far or how fast you throw seed, but rather the time we take loving the land that we wish to bless from our heart and our hands. The plow may require a push or a pull and make sure your bags are all bursting and full. God will deliver when we're called to till, for he has the answers and we never will. So let's look to the Father and not to our egos. The end. And, and via contigos, amigos. Well, that was fun. Um, I just think that's just a neat way to look at that parable from a different point of view because we've always looked at it, like Alex said, we've always looked at it. That ground represents the human heart, right? The condition of the heart. And so what we're always encouraged to do is to look to our own heart. Um, am I, do I have a heart that's rocky and shallow? Do I have a heart that's um, not prepared to receive that seed, let it lay on the surface so anything can come and steal it? Uh, or as troubles arise, they come and they choke it out? Or is you know, the soil of my heart prepared to receive what God would like to put there. Um, but I think what we don't spend enough time on is thinking about that heart of soil in other people. Many times, we're the farmers, right? We're casting the seed. God calls us to um, be his messenger, to be his representative, to be the ones that are going to um, bring the word of God to people. And how often are we excited about that part? We want to throw those seeds. That's awesome. Our bag is full, and we just want to take a handful and fling it. What we don't always want to do is the hard work to make sure that the heart that we want to touch is prepared to receive it. Um, I don't know if you rec anybody recognizes the words that were on the fertilizer bags. What were they? Fruits of the, the fruits of the Spirit. Mi amigo Pablo wrote those. Pablo, by the way, in Spanish is Paul. In case you didn't know that. Um, yeah, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Um, I'm, miss, I'm missing a couple there, but I'll look at my script. Um, those are the things that we work into the soil that we would desire um, for, the, for the seed of God, for the seed of the Holy Spirit to take root. So when you think about your family, when you think about your friends, your coworkers, even when we think as a church, uh, of our neighborhood. Why do we spend time at the Fairwood Apartments doing Easter egg hunts and youth group events and whatever it may be to sow kindness, to sow attention 
um, to sow goodness so that when the seed of the Lord hits that ground, it'll be received. Um, and, it'll, and it'll germinate, and it'll take a deep, solid root and grow well. Whether that's a group or whether that's an individual, that's what God calls us to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Did you guys like this? Well, we got I think we have a few more that we can do in the future, so I'll be working with Alex. And so if you're interested in being one of the RCC players, by the way, let me know, and, uh, and uh, we can work that out. I also wanted to let you know I want to give kudos to my buddy Jason and Cinnamon Miles. Um, as you guys know, the, we call these So Powerful Parables, S-E-W, and um, they are hosted on the So Powerful website. This is Jason's 501c3 charity that is benefiting children and families in Zambia. And uh, if you go to the So Powerful website, sopowerful.org, and click resources, you'll find parables listed there. You can click on that page. Um, right now, there's seven of them out there. Eventually, there'll be over 40 because we're going to release two a month. Um, I think I've got enough written all the way through August of uh, 2018. Uh, I want to give kudos to Brandon Blue, who is done. They are on, yeah. Woohoo. Brandon has, has done the production. There's audio versions as well as print. So you can download it as a story or you can listen to it on SoundCloud. Um, and there's a devotional that goes along with each of those parables uh, that's written by a really good friend of ours and one of the so powerful board members named Andy Smith, who's a pastor down in. Um, uh, what's it, Creek? Walnut Creek, California. And Andy has written devotionals that precede each parable. And when Andy and I talked about doing that, I said, Andy, you open the door and welcome them into the home, show them where the bathroom is, all that stuff, so they can just enjoy the story. And uh, so there's a, there is a devotional and a biblical foundation that goes along with every parable. So we're hopeful. It's free. Um, the downloads are all free. We would just like families and churches and individuals and Christian leaders or whatever to have that as a resource that they can enjoy and hopefully bless um, congregations like hopefully you were blessed this morning in just kind of a new or a different way. I want to thank him and Eric for the great job that they did. And by the way, if you go to the So Powerful website and download one of those audio versions, there's this really awesome woman that reads all the devotionals on there named Kim Pratt. So Kim is, yeah. Kim is the voice of every devotional that begins every parable that will be on the website. So pray, pray about that with us, will you? Uh, that that will just be, um, that that'll just be a blessing to families and churches. What we also hope it'll do is lead people to So Powerful and say, what is this little charity doing um, changing the lives of women and children in this very, very poor, very remote place called Nombe um, in the city of Lusaka in, uh, in Zambia? And if you're wondering that yourself, I encourage you to go to SoPowerful.org and check it out. Thank you so much, Dana, Kim, and Eric. You guys are awesome. Listening to God's teachings is always so exciting. We hope you have enjoyed this recording and that it has blessed you. Remember to share these messages with others you know and love. Until next time, may God bless and keep you. Here again is Pastor Kevin.
Do you ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.